Tubby here saw Empire Jedi last night. Now he's trying to do the imp the Jedi mind trick. Knock it off! Knock it off! Hi, welcome back to Not So Southern Gentlemen. I'm Ricky. And I'm Sean. And welcome to the new year of 2017. We are hugging the new year like it's a newborn baby. Let's let's get this started. Let's just do it. Let's make it good. We need a new hope. I will say this. I have loved all the people randomly on my Facebook page that are like, Hey, Rogue One needs a sequel. <laughs> and what's so funny is there's people that are like, do you really think they'll do one? They're just dragging this out. And I was like, <laughs> somebody, is, somebody, somebody said that. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, but that's going to be a problem. Cause I hear, uh, George Lucas is directing it. <laughs> oh my, oh my goodness. It is so funny. The fact that people don't get it. I, I was having a blast reading comments and stuff off those uh, pages. It was so funny. Ah, but speaking so, of a new hope, let's let's get it out of the way right up front. We last episode we mentioned that Carrie Fisher had entered the hospital and that she was in stable condition. Unfortunately, she did pass away. But on top of that, her mother died. Debbie Reynolds died the next day. Oh, 2016, I'm so done with you. Yep. Hey, that's the reason it's over. And uh, even though we're ready to move on, I have to ask, what did you do for New Year's? We actually sat and watched the 11 o'clock live stream from New York, um, and I had to explain to my son once again how uh, time zones work. But uh, yeah, that's we did. We don't normally we fall asleep before then, so it was kind of fun to do it as a family. And that's, that's pretty. We got to, uh, we really got, had more fun talking about how the places we'd been in New York and how we'd been there and pointing out to Logan where, where the ball was and where, where we were standing and that kind of thing. And, and that got him kind of excited talking about it. So we, we really had a good time with it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You, you got a lot of good things to think back on, on 2016. Y'all had really busy and awesome family vacation. Yeah. It, it was really fun. Mariah Carey, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, here, our our big plans were we we got Jacks to sleep, and we we're like, sweet, we're gonna sit up and watch some TV that we haven't been watching. We're gonna catch up on some stuff, and uh, I believe both Michelle and I were asleep at ten thirty. Nice. <laughs> yes. Now that brings me to a question about the way you watch stuff. When you watch stuff, because I, I know I talked to you about your regular watching basis, do you watch one series all in a row, or do you jump all over the place with multiple series, or a third choice even, do you take your favorite episodes from a series and just watch those? Like, what do you find yourself doing the most? Well, it would depend on the series. Like a uh, like a Daredevil, I'm just going to watch the whole thing. I'm just going to binge the whole thing. Um, like Lost, what we're doing now, we're you know, it's whenever we're all together, m- uh, me, my wife, and my son, 
Uh, we all watch an episode or two. We just actually we just got through watching season four, episode two and three. And man, I, I forget uh, so much stuff in Lost. That that show is. I, I don't want to sit here and fanboy out about it, but I mean that show has got so much in it that you that you could go back and watch and and realize what's going on, the people you miss that are connected later on. Oh, I don't remember seeing them here. This is where they first appeared. Or, oh, I know what's coming up. And then go, oh, I misremember that. That's not coming up right now. Absolutely, dude. You know me. Uh, and Miles <coughs> like said, Miles is such a dick, by the way. Ugh. You don't like Miles? <laughs> not, not in this part of the show, I don't. Yeah, but Lost is seriously one of my favorite shows of all time. Like, I, I seriously love that show. What I was going to say is one that you that we jump all over the place is Doctor Who. That's one that we go back through and we find ourselves, we know exactly what Doctor, what episode we want to watch. We jump all over the place from Eccleston to Tennant to Smith, back and forth, like, have you, do you ever do on stuff like that? I actually can't think of a show I do that with. Um, I'm more of a if if I'm going to go back on Doctor Who, I think I'm going to start with Eccleston again, just to enjoy because, well, I mean that show in particular is so good from start to finish. As as the new series, I mean there there are points at which you're like, oh god, here's this episode, but. Eccleston did such a great job of playing pissed off, manic doctor just fresh out of this war, and then comes in Tennant, who's just got this fresh-faced, brooding, but uh, unstoppable, uh, humorous demeanor, and then even your favorite Matt Smith, I mean, he's got, he's got just like this, this childlike sparkle that just carries through the entire, even a couple of storylines I can't stand, but you, you, he keeps you enthralled. And uh, and then there's Capaldi, which I, I'm I'm a really good big fan of Capaldi. So I don't I don't want to break Doctor Who down like that, but I just I'm going to binge that whole show when I go to watch it again. That's funny. We do this. We do the jump around a lot with sitcoms. Like Michelle and I are big fans of like Scrubs and How I Met Your Mother. And we'll jump all over the place and watch our favorite episodes out of those series as well. Well, now, since you say it like that, probably I could do the the funniest parts of Supernatural I could go back and just watch. Like the episode where Dean keeps dying and it's playing Asia's oh. Heat of the Moment. You love this song. <laughs> I love that. I love that episode. Um, another good uh, episode that we watch out of Supernatural is The Itch, where... <laughs> Where he's scared to death. He starts getting afraid of everything. Oh, is that the one where he, like, Sam opens, like, a cabinet and Dean's like, ah! Yes, absolutely. And it also has the, the after credit scene of uh, Dean doing the the theme to Rocky, climbing up out of uh, the Impala. Oh, the Eye of the Tiger? Yeah. Is that that episode? Yeah, that's absolutely because he's itching his arm when he crawls out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, If I if I were to go back right now, I would watch that one. The one the like like season three opener where he's like, where they're fighting. You know who we're up against? The seven deadly sins. What's in the box? <laughs> oh my goodness! It's that so awesome. that show it has no right to be as good as it is, and uh, Jensen Ackles 
carries that show on charisma, uh, just a hundred percent. I freaking love it. Yes, and, and for those listening, we we are both huge Supernatural fans. That it, it's seriously, it's one of the best shows out there. Definitely the best thing. See now, was it totally CW or has it been around since WB? No, it was it was CW. Uh, I'm, I'm it was pretty... always CW with with Supernatural. Well, if I could find my season one box set, I could tell you right now, but I'm not going to dig for it. It's fine. It doesn't really matter. That's fine. And, and I just wanted to touch on something like that and ask you about your TV watching habits because, I don't know, sometimes I sit around and I'm like, does everybody do what we do? And uh, I just well, wanted to get your I'm glad you it. mentioned, like, my habits for overall are, um, as a family, the lost is is our thing. I mean, other than that, it's just news on TV. Now, me sitting down and watching something, it's probably going to be on the CW app watching the uh, current run of like Flash, Supergirl, that kind of thing. Um, that's the only television I follow that, you know, week to week will with Agents of Shield and that kind of thing. The stuff I enjoy to watch is, you know, either Netflix or Hulu and um Man in the High Castle. You know, th- those type of things. Other than that, I haven't got time for anything else. I'm working and doing a podcast, so. <laughs> Absolutely, and I hear you on both those. Speaking of new seasons, I wanted to roll into what we want out of 2017. What are you most excited about to see in 2017? Oh, man. See, that is tough. Okay, I will go, you know, anything Marvel Netflix is obviously going to hype me up. I'm I'm ready for Iron Fist. I'm ready for Defenders. The Netflix Marvel series are what I'm probably most excited about TV-wise. You know, there will probably be something that tries to catch my attention uh, on normal TV. And, you know, I'll I'll find my ways to watch that. Now, movie-wise, we can already look a year down the road, pretty much, and say Episode 8 is going to be top in the charts yeah absolutely and i've got a little list here so just stop me whenever you want to hit something we got justice league coming out we got guardians of the galaxy volume 2 we got kong skull island transformers the last night spider-man homecoming alien covenant logan thor ragnarok wonder woman the batman lego movie beauty and the beast i mean it's going to be huge i'm going to mention it here i don't care (laughs) pirates of the caribbean the next movie, War for the Planet of the Apes, John Wick 2, which the first one did an amazing uh, return, Uh, the sequel to The Kingsman, which was a surprise hit, The Dark Tower is coming out this year, the Power Rangers remake, the Baywatch movie, which is a comedy, The Mummy, the new, that that starts the new um, uh, franchise, yeah, that starts the franchise of the Universal Monsters. Uh, Despicable Me 3, it's going to be huge. Cards 3 is coming out. Ghost in the Shell. Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, or or whatever the full title of that is. But that's by the same uh, director that did Fifth Element, which is going to be amazing. Triple X has a a third movie with Vin Diesel. World War Z 2 is coming out. Jumanji with... uh, the rock that uh, <laughs> guy Ritchie's God, king arthur movie is coming out you're oh, a yeah. huge guy Ritchie fan i am i am this is gonna be dude uh, like how can we choose 20 2017 
the the year of possibilities. We we have the possibility to have some of the most incredible movies we've ever seen in our entire lives this year. Yeah, but we also got some we got some uh, Ice Cube and Charlie Day fist fight movie. We've got the Emoji movie coming out. Oh my gosh. What is going wow. on here? Saw Legacy, the third Smurfs movie. <laughs> Pitch Perfect 3. Oh, come on, guys. Stop. It hurts my soul. Oh, well. There's still a bunch of possibilities for awesomeness out there. Now, what are you most excited about in that lineup? Oh, let's go with Episode 8. And then we'll definitely go Thor Ragnarok with Spider-Man Homecoming coming in at a 2A and 2B. Oh, and then Guardians of the Galaxy? Then Guardians. Okay. Well, God bless, man. How do you make me choose? Like, (laughs) that's what... That's why I I don't know. I easy, don't get it. easy. It, You've got forty bucks. Go, you can only see Sp- three movies. <laughs> I go Spider Man. Of course. I go Spider Man. I go uh, Episode Eight, and Man. I go see Guardians of the Galaxy. Of and while I'm there, do. I sneak in, find a way to sneak into Thor Ragnarok. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to see it. And a lot of those movies being Disney movies. Do you think they'll outperform this year? I don't know, dude. I was just looking before we uh, started recording. Disney, with all their uh, companies, they made $11.4 billion in 2016. Well, you know, and, and I think that's a lot, a lot to do with just their timing this year. I mean, they had... A string of good movies, uh, like we talked about, the Jungle Book hit big for them, and and it it overperformed. Uh, Finding, oh, absolutely. Finding Dory, you know, came out. Um, Moana, I think it overperformed, and then plus all the live action Marvel and re- uh, regular Disney stuff. <sighs> I just think they had a banner year. Absolutely, and then you topped it all off by. Rogue One breaking $700 million before the end of the year. So, uh, I finally seen Rogue One, man. Yes! I just wanted to say, yes. And it was incredible. I found myself way deeply invested in the story. I was hook, line, singer from the go. The, The score... The score to that movie, I don't know if I haven't heard your take on it. I Yes, but what I liked about it was it wasn't exactly like, you know, the other scores. That it, yeah, it wasn't exactly it John Williams. Yeah. It was uh, Michael Giacchino. Oh, my goodness. Your, your lost boy. It was. In, oh, it was incredible, dude. It was incredible. That show, that whole movie was just amazing. And then. And then there's the scene that you everybody talks about. There's the scene, and, and we and we will I, I talk about it. Say more. Yes, yes, we will talk about it in normal, not so southern gentleman podcast fashion. We will stay tuned to afterwards, and we will have a straight up spoiler cast in which we will talk about all the details and everything. So now that we've both seen it, because we got a lot to talk about, man. I really enjoyed it. Incredible movie. 
so glad I got to see it. Right. So stay tuned to, for uh, after the podcast for a spoiler episode. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Okay. So I believe I was a bigger anime fan than than most of my friends, including you. The only anime yes. I remember you talking about was like Dragon Ball Z or a couple of other things. Now, what was your full anime repertoire? Okay. <clears throat> the my what I enjoy and what I could discuss well enough would be obviously Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, um Neon Genesis Evangelion, Bubblegum Crisis. Uh, I I like Yu Yu Hakusho, Bleach, and there's one more if I could think of it. There's Akira. And Yuyasha? Inuyasha. Eh, I could I, I I enjoyed Big O more than Inuyasha. Now were you, you know, Naruto? Did you say Naruto? No, I, I'm not big into Naruto. I couldn't discuss it, you know. Mm-hmm. I I really couldn't do that. Cowboy Bebop, absolutely. I oh, can discuss yeah. that all day long. Incredible stuff there. Now, oh, you know, Gundam Wing, obviously. Right, yeah. Big Scott McNeil fan. Well, I think I think it wasn't actually that I I watched more anime than the rest of you because you and Matt had similar anime taste. I think it was that our age difference is showing when it comes to anime because the anime I watched was that early Lensman, Robot Carnival, Star Blazers, the 70s and 80s, you know, the uh, yes. uh, Fist of the North Star, the M- MD Geist, uh, Ghost in the Shell, uh, all that all that standalone movie stuff. I actually wasn't a big series person. I did enjoy Dragon Ball Z with y'all, but... I- I'm, a, I'm a child of Toonami, man. That is true. Um, but my question to that is, is is anime gone for us? Is it out of our wheelhouse now? I mean, with the exception of Attack on Titan, which was amazing, and everybody I know watched that. Is is there more breakthrough anime for us out there, <laughs> in your opinion? For, for, for me, there is. And it actually starts, uh, it started last night, is when it started for me, and I will be able to... Go to my websites that I normally go to watch stuff, and there are two anime that came to America last night, actually, that I will be catching up on. And that is Funimation has finally released to us the dubbed versions of One Punch Man and Dragon Ball Super. Oh, nice. Now, you have you have spoken to me about Dragon Ball Super, and you say you love it. It is incredible. I forget about everything about Dragon Ball GT that was horrible, and wasn't Dragon it, Ball Super all is incredible. Wasn't all of GT horrible? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I have watched it probably multiple times though. That's the sad part. I've watched GT multiple times. Well, it's because it's Super it's all you've got. Incredible. Yes, it's true. But if you don't know, like, do you even know where Super picks up? Uh, it's right after the uh, the second movie that came out, right? Because me and you went and watched the it, first it, movie. It, it, reta- it retells the second movie. Oh, okay. 
it retells the return of Frieza starting there. And uh, it does change a few things. Okay. But it, it is incredible. And then One Punch Man also. Have you caught any I, of that? I've seen the first two episodes of One Punch Man, and it is hilarious. Absolutely, dude. And One Punch Man is incredible. I, I'm i so excited that both of these got picked up by Toonami, and it's just incredible. I'm so excited. When, because uh, they, they brought back most of the original voice cast for Dragon Ball Super. The only person that didn't come back, I believe, was Frieza. And that's because the the lady that does Frieza's voice doesn't feel she's able to continue doing the, the same voice. So they brought in the Frieza from Dragon Ball Kai, I believe. And you know, I don't know if it was just because we were in the culture, but it seemed like the people at Funimation... I always would see stuff about how much time and effort they put into the dubbing and the acting in the American version of Dragon Ball Z. I just would always see them going, hey, we're doing this, we got this going, we're doing, where this is our next project, and they were so excited, and the people were so dedicated uh, doing Dragon Ball Z correctly that, you know, you always knew you were getting a great product with that. I mean, I know... Nobody really does, you know, watch for that behind the scenes stuff, but I've always loved it. I've always loved behind the scenes stuff. Like uh, the DVDs and Blu rays with, you know, the bonus features and stuff like that. That's my bread and butter, but a lot of people just couldn't care. Give me the movie. That's all I want to see. Oh, yeah. Um, this is totally random, and I don't know if you've even seen it, but there is a video on YouTube on a YouTuber's page, uh, Chris Stuckman. And he does a YouTube video, a retrospective of Toonami. And during that, they bring up, uh, they have, he does interviews with uh, the voice of Goku, Sean Schimmel, and the voice of Vegeta. Oh, I cannot think of his name. And they, you know, I I apologize. I cannot think of uh, the voice actor for Vegeta's name. He, they're talking about, you know, how they put in all this time and effort and they were so far behind, you know, because when, when you're dubbing something, the, the people that are wanting to watch that dub are, are wanting to be caught up with what's already out there, you know, like now. Christopher Sabat. How, oh, Chris Sabat. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That was going to annoy me. And uh, it, it's just a really good video if, if you ever want to go back and think about the way Toonami was. And like I said, I, I consider myself a, a child of Toonami. That's, you opened the door and Toonami was my Willy Wonka guide that just showed me all the anime, that what it could be. It, it was just incredible and yeah, I think there's I think there's good anime coming. Um, we should get season two of Attack on Titan sometime this year. It may be late in the year because I know it's already received one or two pushbacks, but it should definitely come out sometime this year if all goes well. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and you know, anime 
just doesn't get love outside of the people who love anime. It's not for mainstream people. It's something people look at you funny for mentioning because of some their mom in the 80s told them it was weird stuff. And it's just hard to break out of that mold. And I think there's some really great stories and great, absolutely great. The best animation out there today is being done in Japan. And that's that's a really sad fact. A lot of American shows could could use that kind of thing and we're we're more the mentality of go straight to cgi a lot of great things are being done in cgi but hand-drawn animation i just have just such nostalgia for and i'd love to see that have a resurgence in the united states absolutely let me tell you over the past couple of days obviously i'd like to go to local hall i uh i went to two different places two different days on Thursday, I was able to make a quick run out to uh, the local antique store that I go to. And I, I know I keep calling it the antique store, but that's literally the name of it is antique store. And so I made a stop out there. I picked up a few things. And then yesterday, I was able to go to Kapow Comics. And out of those two days, I walked away with several things that I am very excited about. First thing, we can answer a question that that we asked several podcasts ago. And now that I have bought these and mentioned them to other people, we are both big goofballs. Because we asked the question, what did DC have that was the equivalent of... You know, uh, tales of suspense or uh, supernatural thrillers or stuff like that. We forgot about House of or House of Secrets, which House of Secrets number ten is first appearance of Swamp Thing. So we should have remembered House of Secrets. And the Antiques Mall had a couple of issues of House of Secrets. I was able to pick up, and so now we have our answer as to. What DC had the equivalent of a horror-themed book. Um, I picked up Hulk 240, which has this awesome cover of half of the face is Bruce Banner and the other half is the Hulk. I I had seen that cover and I was like, that is incredible. And I also was able to pick up three issues of Princess Leia. Two or issue two, four, and five. I seen those, and it was the day after the princess had passed, and so I picked up those. I just felt compelled, and I also picked up the uh, free comic book day copy of Preacher. And I, I was talking to a friend online, Stevie. Who, who I know is a frequent listener of the show, and was saying, you know, I, I wanted the real issue of Preacher, number one, you know. And he pointed out that, technically, this cover was done by Steve Dillon, who we lost in 2016. So maybe, maybe this one is a real one, because the number ones didn't all have a Steve Dillon cover on them. So... He made me feel better about, you know, finding one that I, I really didn't think was all that and pointed out that, you know, maybe maybe that one will be something someday. 
And then yesterday, I was able to run out to Kapow Comics, and I picked up a couple of issues. Um, you know, I caught up on stuff that I wanted to read. Like, I picked up my new Killer Be Killed. I picked up uh, another Image Comics run that's coming out. Uh, the art's done by Brian Azzarello, who did that uh, pretty amazing Joker cover for a few years ago. And he did a, he's doing a new series called Moonshine for Image. I picked that up. Uh, I haven't had time to read it yet, but the art in it looks incredible. And then we get to some stuff that I've been hunting for. I'd been even out to my, my beloved collector's paradise and couldn't find it. I found the 2015 run of Howard the Duck, the first three issues, which are the first three issues that contain our appearance of Gwenpool. And that was awesome. These look like they were put in the bag day one. They've never been removed. They are all in mint condition. And I paid 50 cents above cover price. That's it. You sucker. That's their... If it's not a super top-of-the-line key issue at Kapow, their back issues are 50 cents above cover price. That is such an incredible deal. And I was also able to pick up a book that I've been looking for for uh, probably since I came back into the game because I'm a Spider-Man fan, and I finally found a mint condition, Ultimate Fallout number 4, first appearance of miles morales nice yes and it has i bought it in a top loader it's never been out of the top loader it is so mint and i got such a good deal on it man i paid 20 bucks for it nice yes so that is my local haul i was just so happy with this week's Hall and uh you know uh did you find anything this week <laughs> i found one thing <laughs> well we all have ups and we have downs man what, yeah, you well find? i mean i was happy to get it i uh, i went to our, my normal spot and uh, i've pretty much blown him out of everything he had but he had something nice uh there was a werewolf by night number 30 you know 25 cent mm-hmm. comic Two yeah. bucks out the door. It's a really good condition. It's probably a $10, $15 comic. I, I thought it was a great deal. And, uh, you know, Werewolf by Night. That's, uh, you know, one of those supernatural things I like. So. Dude, Werewolf by Night. Have you, you noticed that all those issues are just increasing in price lately? Since, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe it's because... I wasn't so into the game, like so into collecting comics. And now I'm finally reaching the point where I'm, I'm always like, I look up comic book stuff every single day, it seems. And you can really start to get the feel as to when a a series or a comic is really about to take off in price. Like obviously this year we watched Batman adventures, was that 12 first appearance of Harley Quinn mm-hmm. go, go from a book that people would find in the two or $3 bin at a 
con to literally a $600 book sometimes if it's CGC graded. Like, it's unreal. And I think that Werewolf by Night is really making a jump to where all those books are increasing, like, 10, 15, 20 bucks here, 30 bucks there. Like, you go and try to find a Werewolf by Night number 10, and number 10's the key one out of that, right? Moon Knight. Is that, uh, first, is that in that Moon Knight? I, I don't remember. Or I think that maybe that's 32. I'm thinking of Tomb of Dracula 10 as first appearance of Blade, but Werewolf by Night 32 is first appearance of Moon Knight, I believe. I don't know. Now I've got myself confused, but you know, I'm just saying that those books have really been increasing in price. And uh, that's a good find, man. And that brings up <clears throat> Lost in Time. Now, you kind of you kind of helped me out because I hadn't done any research, and you brought up a couple of really good topics that we can both discuss. Um, first thing to bring up is Zapper Games, old zapper games now when i say that obviously the first ones that come to mind is we all get that first nes and we break out the game console and you plug it in and you throw in some duck hunt but that totally changed over the years we have some incredible gun games which ones stood out in your mind Time Crisis, uh, Chrono oh, Trigger. Oh, like Arcade. Okay. Whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, any I was of them like, like I that. don't you know, know any was, games at home that... that had the Zapper besides like the NES ones. See, I didn't. I, um, Duck Hunt is the only Zapper game I ever had for my NES. Uh, Duck Hunt. I didn't play that um, many at home. Hogan's Alley, Gunsmoke. Uh, those were... Great fun NES games, and because the way that gun works is so, you know, so mystical to a child. I mean, it actually looks like it's working. You're actually shooting the characters on the screen. Um, and I watched a video recently of how how that actually works, and it's very simplistic, but it, it was just so effective. I mean, ugh, loved Duck Hunt, wanted to shoot that dog off the screen. Ugh. Oh yeah, because he laughs at you because you miss one. You don't like him. But yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about the arcade experience. Yeah, Time Crisis and uh, the good gun, like the Jurassic Park arcade game. That's really fun. Uh, the Alien, any Alien uh, gun game or Absolutely. Terminator 2, you could still find those in the arcades. Those are worth a couple of quarters. I kind of do like those. Um, there's just something about those kind of games. Those do, Although those it do seems get like something. they were always out of order. Oh, it's because I get played so much and the guns break. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. I, I love those games, but you're definitely right. Those were definitely worth the the fifty cents when video when arcades started jumping to fifty cents and seventy five cents. I w I would definitely drop it in there to play that Aliens game. That was incredible. Right, and I've got a different kind of game. I wanted to talk about board games of my youth. Now, when you think of board games, you think of Monopoly or Sorry or something like that. Uh, this was a little different. There is still a thriving culture in board games that aren't those classic Hasbro powerhouses. 
there was a game I played with uh, my best friend Rodney over at his house. He had crossbows and catapults. Now, are you familiar with this game? I have heard of this game. I've never played this game. Well, it was it was kind of a, uh, a Lego kind of setup where you build a castle. Uh, you have a castle tower. You have walls you can place around, and then you have crossbows and you have catapults that are rubber band powered, and you had little uh, discs that you got in each one. The crossbows would shoot the disc across the floor. The catapult would fling the disc across the floor. And you just try to take out each other's castles. And it was really, really fun. Um, and we haven't talked much about board games, but there is such a thriving underground culture of board games. There are Kickstarters. Almost any board game that kickstarts succeeds and overperforms. Uh, there is a thriving culture of board game enthusiasts out there that uh, uh, we're just not seeing. You just don't you just don't see that stuff in in the mainstream. And I think it's great. Uh, there's a podcast I listen to that has a guy who specializes in uh, board games and stuff like that. And it's just so enthusiastic and sounds so great. Like there's a, what game was it? Uh, City of Heroes has a mech board game that just came out that uses like uh, uh, characters from that game. I mean, City of Heroes was huge and that closed down, didn't it, uh, last last year? I think so. Yeah. But now, I, I love to play board board games, and I, I totally love all of them. I just here's my thing: I don't have the time. I don't have the room. My, I don't know about you, but and, and this is just me being totally honest. My kitchen table stays cluttered with me putting up food from a child or. You know, random stuff. My, my table seems always cluttered. And to have a space to play a board game is very necessary for it to be fun and enjoyable. And most of the games that I want to play take, you know, two or three hours to complete, if not longer. And I don't know, man. It, uh, unless... Me- your children are maybe getting old enough. Yeah, and, Logan's you know, Logan's old kinda... enough. I got we've got Clue and we've played Clue a couple of times, and he really right. likes that. Yeah, yeah, and and see, once you can get the entire family involved, I imagine playing a board game becomes way easier. Right. But but right now we're we're just not to that point. We we love to go over to our neighbor's house and. Uh, play board games that used to be a regular occurrence and it's just tapered off with the with 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 the child you know it's not a necessarily a bad thing but you just have to put certain things on hold but there are definitely board games i want to play right well i've i've got a question for i live vicariously through I, i live vicariously through will wheaton and watch his board game show on youtube well, I've got a question for you, Sean. Have you seen Rick and Morty? Okay. Yes, I love Rick and Morty, dude. They are—they are the most horrible com- combo ever. Listen, Morty, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to leave you here till I can come back and fix the time stream. Ah, oh, Rick, I don't know. <laughs> love that. Oh show. my goodness, it is so awesome, and I'm guessing you are bringing that up because we are in our have you seen it section obviously 
Yeah, I I don't get to watch that show because Logan is still too young for for that full experience. But God bless that show is freaking funny. This whoever is running that show is like a couple knuckleheads like you and me, but funny. <laughs> they are great. Absolutely, dude. I I freaking love Rick and Morty. And uh, like you said, I haven't seen as much of it as I would like to. But what I have seen is just incredible. I like the way the art is done. I enjoy the way the humor is out there. And it doesn't necessarily – what I enjoy most about it, I think, is the fact that it doesn't look like it should be for adults. It has that total kid look feel. And yet – there is stuff coming out of their mouths that you're like, this is not a child show at all. <laughs> well, that's how tough life is, Morty. I need alcohol. <clears throat> Dude, that brings me, uh, if you haven't seen Gravity Falls. You know, I have vicariously experienced Gravity Falls. My son loved Gravity Falls. He was all into the mysteries of the show. He would get on YouTube and and listen to what the creators were hinting at and trying to figure it out. And and Gravity Falls having that kind of mythology behind it and love and and by the creators and stuff. I really kind of want to watch. I kind of want to binge Gravity Falls. That's what I'm doing right now. No, no. <laughs> That that is my. Have you seen it? That's that's my. That's what I'm doing right now. I am binging Gravity Falls, wow. and we are almost through the whole first season, and I have so many questions and so much stuff that I'm like, what is going on here? I want to know what's going on here. I want to know what's going on there. I'm having so much fun. If you don't, if you haven't seen Gravity Falls, it's on Hulu right now. Well, and. I wanted to say, I've, whenever I heard this show described, I immediately thought of you, because the way it was described to me, after my son had talked about it, and I'd mentioned it a couple of times to somebody, they were like, well, don't you know? It's like the kid version of Twin Peaks. I was like, oh, oh. Dude, I could see that. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I, I freaking love it. Uh, we are, we're having a blast watching Gravity Falls. The other... Um, my my son really really loves the music, the intro music. He just he does a little dance for it, or or if he's getting sleepy, he he watches it. It puts him to sleep. So Michelle and I have just got to where at night we were watching it, and the other night they were about to start it, and I had to do something first. I was like, don't 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 start it. Don't don't start Gravity Falls yet. <laughs> I got to finish something before. I had to be in the room to watch it and. I'm just really enjoying it, man. It's a great show. I I hate that it was canceled. Right, and I, I don't know if they finished up everything on it or not. Um, I, I don't know I do, either. I, I guess I'll find out. I know it did end, but uh, I, I do want to sit down and watch that at some point. Now, we're going to move into Don't See It, and I'm going to warn everybody up front. Most people don't share my opinion on this, and I may be old man Jones over in the corner screaming, get off my lawn, but... I don't recommend anybody see Freakazoid or Animaniacs. I hated those shows. I Boo hated this them. man. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Uh, I just shun couldn't. the non-believer. Shun. Shame. Shun. Shame. Uh, but uh, like I said, I may be an old man, but the style of animation, 
the comedy just never hit me right, and I just I never gave it a chance. I honestly didn't, and I just couldn't. Oh, oh my! Uh, I don't know. Oh my god! I don't know. I, but I, I can't. I, I, I can't. Wait, Somebody I who thinks like me, I don't recommend you see. Well, why don't you? Why don't oh, you give me the? I hope there's people out there that agree with you. Why don't you give uh, me the counter? The, the counter to it, dude. So you want me to counter why Animaniacs is awesome? I, I, I can say this. I, I know a Freakazoid. I'm not a huge Freakazoid fan, but Animaniacs. I still watch to this day. If I am bored, I will throw it on Amazon Prime. I will sit down. I'll throw it on a random season and watch Animaniacs in the background while I do the dishes, while I clean up the house. I freaking love that show. It is hilarious. Yeah, like I said, uh, I just it just never hit me right. Uh, and it may be fine. <laughs> I just did want to bring it up because... I know that's a thing in the back of my mind that just, uh, anytime I see Freakazoid, it just makes me angry. It's like the damn Noid off of uh, the Domino's commercials. Avoid the Noid. Avoid the Freakazoid. That's hilarious. And, you know, that brings me to my don't see it. And this probably shouldn't even have to be said, but I was always a fan. And I can say this. I enjoyed the Tom Green show on MTV. I thought it was very inventive. I thought it was pretty original. He was one of the first people to just not give a shit. And he did a lot of very, very stupid stuff. But one of the dumbest things he did was a movie called Freddy Got Fingered. And that was the most god-awful movie ever. I actually kind of liked Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> oh my god, I am blown away. You actually liked that thing? I just remember uh, how bad, it didn't like ruin Rip Torn's career. Like, it was such a horrible movie, it ruined this man. I honestly believe that. Rip Torn never really had problems till after he did that movie. And I totally blame Tom Green. I actually think I remember the funny parts of the movie and don't and and the horrible other parts I just forgotten. The 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 only things I remember are the Would you like some sausage, Daddy? Would you like some sausage, Daddy? And then of course the uh, the elephant relief scene. I guess is how you describe that. Jeez, that that was hilarious. But here's the thing: you just named two funny things that would take up four minutes of time. In a two-hour movie. Yeah, I mean, I can't recommend it. Don't watch it. On that note, we can say you can find me at Maynard98 on Twitter. You can find both of us at NotSoSouthernGs on Twitter. You can find me at Ricky Westbrook on Twitter. You can search Facebook, NotSoSouthernGentleman. Dude, we are having... I just cannot wait for this year. It's going to be so much fun. So many more podcasts. I'm hoping to start doing more YouTube videos. They may be vlog style. I'm going to try to get active on YouTube, uploading some stuff. I got a cool little camera that I got for Christmas. I'm having a blast with it. I got some fun software to do. Please tell a friend if you listen to this. We would love to start 2017 off with a ton of new listeners. I freaking love doing this. Uh... For Not So Southern Gentlemen, I'm Sean. 
And I'm Ricky. And stay tuned for our Rogue One spoiler show. Welcome back to Not So Southern Gentlemen, the spoiler part of the show where we are going to spoil Rogue One. Okay, let me just start off saying I I don't care if people get upset about all the fanboy service that was done in the front part of the film or the, the stuff that was sprinkled throughout. I had a ear-to-ear smile across my face every time they put in one of those Easter eggs. And that includes the blatant R2-D2, all that stuff. I freaking loved every single second of it. Yeah, I mean, we both loved the movie. But let's let's start at the very beginning of the movie. Now, what was your... What do you think about the opening of Jen's origin and her father and uh, Krennic? Dude, freaking awesome, man. I totally loved it. I was like, this is... I, I love the way they, they made Mads Mikkelsen the creator of the Death Star. Like, that is a freaking cool story. And I I love the fact that Jen's his daughter. And, you know, I, I, I like the whole story of that movie. The fact that, you know, he was taken away and he did what he did. But, you know, it, it was just really good. Uh, I wasn't thinking at any point this is slow i'm not understanding what's going on here i never got lost i bought like i said before i bought in fully man well uh now the first part i agree was was very good um the young gin was very good uh the the cinematography on this movie is absolutely amazing i think this is the best looking star wars movie we've ever seen just from that opening that uh volcanic rock with that green field uh the over that you would not normally have a shot of this overcast scene in this movie but good god it was just it was beautiful and the, the, the way the death troopers looked and just the way it was shot, the uh, the camera angles and everything, it was really captivating. And, of course, uh, we know now that Jin's mother was uh, uh, originally going to be a, a Jedi that escaped Order 66. And um, I, I'm kind of glad that they didn't do that. Um, I, don't, I don't know why... I, I, with the way the movie plays out, I'm not sure that beat would have landed right. Um, but I, I like the fact that, you know, you you see her hold that kyber crystal a few times throughout the movie. You know, they're they're waiting to see if their their access code gets them into the planet and, and she holds it and kind of looks down. She's she's using you know, it she's hoping that the force will help them get through, you know, what they need to get through. She, uh, even in all that darkness, she's still holding on to that kyber crystal and hoping for the force to right, help. Right, because, you know, that, that plays out through the movie. She's the person who has hope. And um, 
it, it really comes through, even even with the way it plays out. Now, uh, the opening for Cassian was very interesting for me. Uh, with you know he he meets this guy. He's trying to get information. There's this pilot. Oh, they're going to get caught. Bam! Shoots the guy in the back all freaking Shane style and gets out of there. <laughs> I thought that was very neat uh, uh, to see the way they described his character. You know, later on in the movie, he's talking about all these horrible things they've had to do for the chance of a better world. And if they don't, if they don't do this, it'll all be for nothing. They're all just horrible people. And I thought that was very well told. Yeah. <clears throat> the first time you meet him, you realize that he, he's a man that will do what he needs to do to get the job done. You kind, know, kind of a scoundrel, I tell you. Yeah, he is. I mean, but <sighs> war is not a pretty thing, and no. uh, he he's learned to understand that. No, but I did want to point out, like the the next part of the movie, uh, where it jumps from Jen as a young girl to Jen as we are currently seeing her. Um, the movie kind of hung for me there whenever she's waiting on to be uh, broken out and and uh, they go off to the thing and they're talking to her about the so-and-so and her father and that something in that didn't didn't play for me just right uh, I didn't hate it but I I noticed that uh, there was something funky about it um, but beyond that, there wasn't really any pacing problems with the movie. The movie picks up. Uh, the weird anime mind-reading slug thing kind of threw me for a loop. I am assuming you liked it just fine. But I was like, what is this doing here? What is this weird mind-reading scene? What What are we doing here? It wasn't fine. I, I didn't even think about it, dude. I was like, sweet, a cool creature that we've never seen before. I don't know. I didn't think much about that. I freaking thought that by the time we got to the point of meeting Saul Guerrero, though, it was amazing. Like, I was so into every single person on that ship. It was awesome. Yeah, now the Rogue the Rogue One crew, um, even even the, uh, what was the pilot's name? The Rebel, the, uh, the Imperial pilot they caught. Or that he was delivering messages to Saw. Dude, like I said earlier, I don't know any of their names yet. I just went through it all just in so fast. I didn't pick up on names. I'm horrible with names to begin with, even in real life. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. He, he's the pilot. Yeah, but he he was good too. I mean, later on, all this stuff pays off toward the end of the movie. The, the cameos that bothered me were... Uh, the Doctor What's-His-Face and the Walrus Guy. I didn't need that. That just stuck out like a sore thumb to me. Like, <laughs> oh my god, guys. Come on. Uh, They're here yeah. now, and they made it out of the city blowing up, and he's going to get his arm cut off here in like a month. Come on. I don't need it's all that. Awesome. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It just it just stuck out. I mean, you know, it's, it's like hearing... Kind of like hearing the Wilhelm scream. I mean, oh yeah, I'm watching a movie. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. Um, but now the the R two D two and C three PO made sense. I mean, they're 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 showing up just as soon as Princess Leia is showing up. I mean, they got to be somewhere close to this. So that that just made sense story wise. Um, yeah, I love the Jimmy Smith scenes. 
with uh you know talking about does, does he trust the person he's going to leave the information with with his I life that was, yeah yeah he's like i trust her with my life i was like oh it's so freaking awesome it was so good i'll say one of my favorite characters was k2 yes he was a a wonderful surprise in that movie um I don't think there was a character I liked better than than K2. That's right. And I still say even though I don't know if you agree, when he died, you the last thing you see is his head laying down and he's got a big hole in his chest. And I know there wasn't a spear in there, but it was a very Wash-esque scene. And I still say that that could have been a throwback or a reference to a Wash thing. Right about then is when I started thinking about all the different stuff that we saw in the trailer versus the movie. Now, you know, I missed the news about all the rewrites and reshoots on the movie. Um, I, I guess we did mention some stuff, but I wasn't thinking about it being major reshoots and everything. I'm sure there's an entire trailer of stuff we did not see in this movie. Jen running on the beach, Krennic and Vader being on the Death Star, um, those kind of things. And that that doesn't ruin the movie for me, but it gets me very interested on the what's going to be on the special features on this movie and behind the scenes. Blind, Bowstaff, and Bishop are amazing. And I, I don't know their names, but that one guy reminds me of Bishop and the other guy, the blind guy. They were freaking awesome. I love their friendship. I love the scene where his friend dies. He starts saying, I am with the Force, and the Force is with me. As he's taken off, just, man, he is taking out some stormtroopers left and right. And, yeah, that was just, those are some emotional scenes, man. I, I freaking love that, that they were very good characters. Chirrut, Emwe, and Baze Malbus. Cool. Yep. Yeah, Donnie, Donnie Yen. Yeah. I'll tell you. Are you kidding me? I'm blind. <laughs> the whole oh. theater fell over laughing. When they put the bag over his head, I freaking laughed so hard. I was like, that is hilarious. I mean, uh, because right at that point, and what, what makes that comedy work right there is that at that point, you're expecting stoic. You haven't seen a lot of the character yet, and you're expecting stoic doesn't say a lot, talks with his actions kind of guy, and that breaks it right there. And the rest of the movie, he is pretty funny. Baze, the the other guy, um, he does such a good, subtle performance of, of getting that character across. Like whenever uh, Cassian is laying down the law, you know, saying what he's going to do, and there, there's just a, a certain thing he does. He just lays back and he's like, screw it, you know, whatever. And just there's really good acting in this movie i think I, I hate to say it's so close to this but i think this is the best critically star wars movie that we've ever gotten uh i'm gonna say and and i and i mean this in the best way rogue one is better than episode seven I won't go that far. Now, I, I will I will agree with you that it's a better made movie than Episode 7. I get more enjoyment out of Episode 7, which I did watch last night, just for this specific discussion. And, you know... I don't, I don't know, man. If somebody... See, I don't own Episode 7 yet. Um, I have well, a couple well, of digital what? copies. What? Oh. Yeah, I, I don't own it. I don't. But, but you have instant access to it. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that. Okay. You're fine then. That's not. But, you don't but make a statement like I don't own it yet, but you do own it. You can watch it okay. anytime you want. But but seriously, if somebody said I have the Blu-ray collector's edition of episode seven behind my back, and I have the Blu-ray collector's edition of Rogue One behind my back, and they are both fully stocked with all the spoilers and everything you could ever dream of, I would say hand me the Rogue One one before hand me the Episode Seven one. That, that's just me. That's right, just right. Me. Like I said, I, I, it's a better made movie. It's a better acted movie. Uh, but I still think Episode Seven is the more enjoyable movie, and but not by a lot. Absolutely. I mean, nothing against Episode Seven at all. Moving on from the the heart and soul of the movie, let's move on to the popcorn candy part of the movie. The space battle over Scarif. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. The part with... What did he call it? Get me a hammerhead Corvette. Oh my god. The moment he said that, I was like, oh, are they going to do this? And... And taking that Star Destroyer and slamming it into the other one was one of the best space anything I've ever seen. That was amazing, watching that thing just churn through that other Star Destroyer. I I was just watching it like, this is amazing. This is the coolest thing. And, and what's crazy is I was watching, I was like watching little details. I wanted to watch the shadowing about how it tore apart and stuff. And I was like every little thing they got right. I'm just watching the nose of that thing just eating through it and when pieces fly off you can watch the shadow of that one piece going across the rest of the Star Destroyer and you're just like they got everything right. This looks so freaking amazing. The footage of the pilots from uh, Episode 4 in, in that space battle had no clue that was coming. That was absolutely amazing. To see oh, those yeah. guys, and and that was new footage. Um, there, the director got to go to Skywalker Sound, of course, uh, and, and when he was working on the movie, and just ha- randomly saw some um, canisters of stuff, and they were like, "Oh yeah, that's our new 4K uh, of the of the uh, movie, and this and that." He got to browse through, and he found unused footage of those fighter pilots. And that's, that's new. Some of that is new footage in the movie. And that just blew me away that those guys, my, I mean, there were people in my theater in Batesville, Arkansas, that were like, oh my God, <laughs> we, 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 none yeah. of us had a clue that that was going to be in there. And my God, let's talk about the Vader scene. No, God. best for last, buddy. Let's talk about the Vader scene. <laughs> Let's talk about Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay. I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, they did a really good job on stuff like that. They, they've they really perfected that de-aging thing. Um, actually, right before this, uh, we sat down this morning and watched Civil War. And I was watching you know, really closely about how well they did the de-aging on RDJ and that got me thinking about this and what I was going to say about Grand Moff Tarkin. And I thought they did a really good job. There are a couple of spots because I think the way the lighting was done, that his face comes off a little shinier 
than it should. A little waxy, but yeah. it looks amazing. It looks amazing. They did a great job. Yeah, and I'm I'm not going. I I originally mentioned something about this that bothered me, but I'm going to disavow that because it seems that. Uh, there's been a consensus on the internet that if if you were a fan of the Star Wars movies, you know about the Star Wars movie, and you know that Peter Cushing, of course, is deceased, you saw it as fake. Now, there are several people who did not know who Peter Cushing was, who his character was, that didn't know the guy's dead. They just assumed it was a guy. They had never seen this guy, or they'd seen him in the other movie and didn't know he was had passed. Um, I'm thinking this is a just one of those things that it's person to person, and I think it was good enough. There are some people out there that that you know were decrying, saying it was it was horrible and shoddy and waxy and and. But I've also heard several people say in 3D that everybody looked that way and it looked fine. I mean, I've heard people state I didn't know there was a fake guy in there. Uh, it looks good, man. I, I don't mind. And the other character that's like that, um, she did end up a little waxy looking. It's a little too shiny. Uh, of course, we're in the spoiler section. The the Princess Leia part, which Carrie Fisher came in and did that line, um, yeah. she looked a little shiny to me, but I'm fine with it. I, I, I knew where they were going the Absolutely. moment. Yeah. And yeah. so let, let's talk about the cream of the crop, the, um, <laughs> the two Vader scenes now. Um, let's talk about the first one. Which I I nearly came out of my seat. Vader's castle. Vader's castle is now yes. in in canon. <laughs> of course, it's not where they originally had it. They they moved it to Mustafar, the planet that him and Obi Wan had the fight fight on. Uh, but Vader's castle looks uh, so amazing, and Vader in the vat with the Imperial guards was amazing, and, and Vader. Uh, talking to Krennic was amazing. It was all amazing. <laughs> Loved it. Loved every minute of the yeah, map. Dude, it, it was just incredible. Every single part of it. I loved the first part. <clears throat> I thought it was just all incredible, man. You get to see he is so freaking strong with the dark side. Like when uh, he's having the discussion with, what's his name? Krennic. Uh Krennic. Yeah, and uh, he, he asks him if he's still in charge. It, he just stops. You don't even see movement out of Vader, and then just... Uh, you're like, oh, he's going to kill him. <laughs> he's totally going <laughs> to kill this guy. And then he just lets him go. Yeah. Because Vader uh, don't care. Yeah, dude, this, this Vader is all about... This is Vader at his peak evil, I think. So, and uh, speaking of of that, let's let's go to this reason you watch this movie. This scene, this yes. dark hallway, go, everything goes to silence. The music's down, and then all you hear is oh, oh my gosh! And that lightsaber lights up. Yes, that hall that hallway fight scene blew Daredevil away. I'm going to say that right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Daredevil. You are now number two on hallway fight scenes. Disney just one-upped itself. Yeah, it is incredible. I, I just... The men being bounced up off the ceiling, he's just force-pushing everybody. He's pulling, he's pushing, he's throwing. He's lightsaber blocking. 
Like he is jacking people up left and right. But that's and there the, ain't a thing they can do about it. But that's the thing. You also not only this, and I don't count this as as uh, uh, the fan, uh, the, the just them doing this as fan service. You that scene is filmed and directed in a way you get the sense of panic in that room. I mean, those guys are literally fighting for their lives. That one guy has got to get this out. He's trying, figuring out how to do it. And it's just the sense of panic is real, and the sense of terror in that room is real. Because Vader is just uh, a horrific nightmare in that scene, and it is so great. It is one of the best things I've seen on a movie screen. I know. I know. I've got oh, goosebumps just, right now talking about it. I mean, it is I, that impressive. It was amazing. I, I freaking loved every second of it. I, I want to have that on like a 40-second loop and, and just and just cut it down and watch it over and over. Just be like, that's amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. I freaking loved it, man. Every second of that was seriously just amazing and had and had no idea it was coming had no oh, idea no. It was coming this this movie i thought would end oh, and when we skipped another part i mean just i thought the movie was going to end with with that ship going to light speed but oh no a ship comes out of light speed and it's a super and it's a star destroyer and about 3 ships crash headlong into it and here comes vader's ship and uh, you know that didn't I didn't know any of the rest of that movie was going to happen after that battle. Your your heroes had already died. Uh, they got the plans out, you know, and everybody nobody makes it out of this movie alive. Nobody. I'm going. I, this is the spoiler part. Too bad you should have listened. Ain't nobody making it out of this movie, and I absolutely love it for that. Um, now originally it looked like they were going to make it out, like possibly. Um, I've heard rumor that Cassian and and uh, uh, Jen were supposed to steal a Tie Fighter and make it make it away or make it onto the ship with the plans or, or whatever how they got the plans up there. Um, but obviously they changed something midstream and felt something worked right and uh, they did it right with the end result. I think I think they made the right choice. They made the right choice. It was they everybody needed to die and uh, it was a tough pill to swallow, but. That's the way it happened, man. But you know, I, I'm ready to state right now: best space battle put to put on film, best uh, hall fight scene put to film, um, and and best oh. best Star Wars critically best critical Star Wars movie, even above Empire. I would say best. Because well, I want to say best use of the force. It, it's up there in use of the force fights. You know, any fight scene that is involving the force and a lightsaber, it's up there. That is that's up there, dude. Well, right, yeah, but I mean, this was done. That fight was done in the spirit of the the force and force powers of Vader from Episode Four, Five, and Six. There yeah. are there are much better lightsaber force fights in the prequels, but they're done in a different style. They're more of the ballet, martial art, choreographed, 
amazing looking fight. And there is a place for that in my Star Wars love. Like that that fight between Absolutely. between uh, Darth Maul, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Obi-Wan is I, I will take away I, I would not get rid of the prequels just for that fight. Um and yeah. the music, the the Duel of Fates that plays at that time, one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars music ever put to put to uh, uh, CD. <laughs> Yes, uh, absolutely, and, and I can agree with that. But you know, your but your I, emotions become limited once you've been burned by lava. Right, and I agree with you absolutely. That is the best Vader has ever looked. Your your nostalgia and memories be damned. That is the best Vader put the screen, and, and just like just like the best Spider Man ever put the screen is like fifteen minutes in Civil War. The best Vader you ever seen is like three minutes in uh, in Rogue One. Rogue One. Absolutely. But uh, that's going to round out our spoiler cast. Um, is there anything else you wanted to mention about the movie besides going to go see it three more times? Oh, no. I, I just can't wait to watch it again. It's incredible. And uh, I hope everybody that listens up to this point has enjoyed talking about it, listening to us talk about it. Please give us your thoughts and stuff on the movie. We'd love to hear them. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, guys, I... I would love to go into the stuff that, uh, like the ghost being in Rogue One and all the all the connections in there. I'm not that up on Rebels. I have looked into it to see that stuff. There are people doing a much better job of that on YouTube than than here. If you want to see that stuff, uh, go look that up on YouTube and uh, share us share your thoughts with us. You know, if you want to talk about some stuff we missed, we'd be happy to hear it. Facebook, Twitter, however you want to talk. So let's do that. Uh, for not so Southern gentlemen, I'm Ricky. And I'm Sean. We're out. I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me.